Pod Fathers and Sons. Yo. Boo. Hey, spooky boys and spooky gals. Welcome back to Podfathers and Sons Spooky Edition. Thank you all for tuning in on such a spooky afternoon. I am your host with the ghost, Max Martin. We have Kellen Parsons. What's up? What's a good one? What's up? And Nick Seward. Present. Joining us for today's podcast. Today we will be talking about genetic mutations in, in inbred families. Genetic mutations happen when genes or segments of deoxyribonucleic acid, or DNA for short, mutate as a result of the hereditary genes that were provided for a multicellular organism to form alleles. Mutations can occur in other ways, like if a cell's DNA is damaged by harmful energy or if the DNA breaks or changes in some, some sort of way. Mutations can cause a variety of outcomes, such as disease, odd appearances on the outside, and many more. This is because genes directly affect how the proteins and enzymes of an organism are created and what their purposes are. Thanks, Max, for that interesting overview. Now, let's talk about one mutation, metemoglobinemia. Metemoglobinemia is a mutation characterized by poor tissue oxygenation which is caused by immense levels of blood metemoglobin. As a result of this, a person's skin can be affected and can even turn a shade of blue. In Kentucky, there was a family who suffered from metemoglobinemia. They were considered strange and outcast due to their blue-colored skin. However, one day, a woman saw one of these blue people outside of her house, and she didn't know what to do at first, but then she immediately called a doctor because obviously that would be the best thing to do because the person's blue. Yeah. Um, so the doctor, after getting this call, researched um, whatever it was that was up with this person because it was unknown at the time. And he eventually discovered that this condition was a genetic, I mean, it was genetic. So, he, he, he created an antidote, and he, uh, hoping that it was um, successful, tested it on one of the children, Benjamin, because he had just, you know, like, he hadn't been blue for that long because he was just born. Um, it ended up being successful, and so that proved this condition can be reversed through correct and immediate, immediate medical attention. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into the team of hemoglobinemia. Metema hemoglobinemia's main symptom is cyanosis. Cyanosis is a bluish discoloration of the skin. Cyanosis is caused by, the, by a conten, congenital condition called tetralogy of phallate. Tetralogy of phallate is a complex structural defect that allows blood returning from the body to the heart to be pumped out again without going to the lungs to be resupplied with oxygen. The hemoglobin 
in red blood cells turns red when iron in the molecule binds to oxygen. It turns bluish purple when the oxygen is unloaded, which is why your veins are bluish. But when you have too much deoxygenated blood in your arteries, your skin turns from pink to blue. Um, another genetic mutation that is famous from inbreeding is hemophilia. Queen Victoria in uh, a long time ago was the Queen of England, and she became the carrier of hemophilia for her whole family to have. Hemophilia is a disease where the body cannot clot its blood. This makes minor cuts and scrapes become a trip to the hospital. It is incurable it, when, uh, when you are born with hemophilia. It is incurable, and it's only dealt with through injecting um, clotting agents into the bloodstream. So you can only treat it, but you cannot cure it. Males have an extremely higher chance of developing hemophilia than females do. Um, however, females are the carrier of the gene. This is because hemophilia occurs when the X chromosome is recessive, has a recessive disorder. Um, and since females have females have two X chromosomes, it makes their chances of developing um, two recessive X genes very unlikely. The two most common types of hemophilia are A and B, with other more rare types as well. Hemophilia A is caused by lack of clotting factor 8, and B is caused by lack of clotting factor 9. Both result in the same disorder and problems for the host. Hemophilia is a lifelong disease. There have been reported cases of developing hemophilia later in life. This is only found in middle-aged or older people with the occasional uh, diagnosis in young women who have given birth recently. This happens because their body's immune system decides to develop anti antibodies that combat its own factor uh, 8 or factor 9. Acquired hemophilia is able to be cured with treatment, however. Queen Victoria of England is known as the most famous car carrier of hemophilia. Did I say Queen Victoria hemophilia? Queen Victoria of England is known as the most famous carrier of hemophilia because her um, descendants all had problems with hemophilia. Many of the males developed this rare disease because they were a product of incest. Incest did not cause this disease. Rather, it enabled almost every female in the family to be a carrier. Because of um, the, the desire to keep the royal bloodline alive and pure, the royal family would marry their relatives. Mm. Yeah. However, since their family was riddled with hemophilia, the males had a significantly increased chance of being born with hemophilia. All right, so now we're uh, going to turn it over to our reporter, Claudia Dreyfus, who is interviewing uh, Holbrook Court, who is a hematologist and also talks about his own experiences as a hemophiliac. Hematologist? You're a medical researcher, but you're also a hemophiliac patient. How much does your disease my disease is integral to my work. At a superficial level, hemophilia is the band-aid that I wear. At a very deep level, it's part of my DNA. At an emotional level, I feel it's how I connect with my patients. When you say connect to your patients, I think it's one thing for us to be physicians and practice medicine, but it's another thing to be a patient and be on the other side and actually be in the bed 
And for me, I've spent so many years actually having patient experiences. I know what it's like to feel vulnerable. I know what it's like to have a physician take care of you. And so I can bring that experience to my patients that I take care of. Did you always want to be a hematologist? I always wanted to practice medicine. At first, with my dad being a pediatrician, I thought I wanted to do pediatrics. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually had that tight bond with my hematologist, uh, looking up to them in so many ways, that I realized that's the type of bond I wanted to have with my patients. That's how it started. You're 35 years old. There are not a lot of living hemophiliacs, if I may say, uh, of your age group. Why is that? Unfortunately, during the 70s and 80s, when I was transfusing every other day, uh, our blood products were contaminated, uh, contaminated because of the HIV epidemic. So there was a large period of time that I was actually transfusing blood that had that risk of HIV. Most of my friends during high school all died of HIV, some of them my closest friends. They're much of the inspiration that I have today to practice medicine. That, that's a trauma that is on the par of people who've been through wars or holocausts. I mean, a whole peer group got wiped out. How did that impact you? I remember distinctly a day that I was sitting next to my friend Michael when he was dying from HIV. And how old were you? 13 at that time. And you were used to death. Uh, I had seen death before. I knew what death was from family members that had died young. But then when between the ages of 13 and 18, I probably was with about 100 other hemophiliacs during their passing from HIV. Really? When I was sitting there with Michael and his mom and watching him go through that process, I realized that I had to do something that was more important in my life than I could ever imagine. I had to give back something because I was so fortunate to not get HIV, to have that experience, to share those moments. And I kind of made a promise to myself when I was a kid that I was going to try to do something in medicine that was utilizing all these experiences I had. had. Your parents, your family, did you, was there a hemophilia in the family? No, so when I was born, my DNA just happened to mutate in the right or the wrong way to uh, flip my chromosome around and give me hemophilia. No one knew. It was a spontaneous mutation, about a one in a million chance. Um, about a month after I was born, I had lots of bruises all over my body, and they actually thought my mom was beating me. They, they accused her of this. Um, and then after doing testing, they realized uh, that I don't need that protein allow my body to clot and they diagnose with hemophilia. So how did you live with that? How does anybody that? I think it's that any pattern, any behavior that you do, that you know that you have to do, that you really don't have a choice. People who live through that experience, they realize that the only way is to persist. Thank you, Claudia and Holbrook. Hemophilia is a very uh, deadly disease. Most patients, most People do not live past their middle age, middle the middle of their life, what we would consider the middle of our life. Uh, it is very hard for people to live throughout. It's very hard for people to live their life with hemophilia, uh, especially with more severe kinds, because a small bruise can turn into internal bleeding and then death very quickly. Yeah, and I mean, metemoglobinemia. Um, <clears throat> though it's not as uh, fatal 
as hemophilia. Hemophilia. Um, you're blue. <laughs> that could ruin your life. That's very true. It could. I mean, you know. So both of these diseases that were made famous by two inbred families, but not caused by inbreeding, are very life-changing in different ways. One could kill you, and you have to get blood transfusions and treatment almost every day, if, if not actually every day. But the other turns you blue and lives, leaves you with a life of being of, a Smurf. And of course, and there are blue. very many of blue. <laughs> Emotionally and physically. <laughs> That's a great insight. Energy. That's a Thank great you. insight. Thank you for that, Nick. Kids would, of course, there I mean, are very much. Of course, there are very many other diseases, like just not just metemoglobinemia and uh, hemophilia, but so basically, kids just don't inbreed. Inbreeding leads <laughs> to very not- bad things because if you have, if you are the carrier of one disease. And you mate with your family <laughs> who has the same disease but is dormant in your body, it could result in a very bad experience for your offspring. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks, I think that's all we have time for. We're going to close up shop for now. See you next Thank time. Thank you for listening to the Spooky, Spooky, spooky Podcast. Edition. Have a very nice spooky. Halloween. Get a lot of candy and. Uh, leave your know. family alone. Parents, make sure you always <laughs> check the candy. <laughs> Boom. Leave, leave your family alone. <laughs>